Welcome to HB RV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host, the Honey Badger, here to give it to you straight and transparent about the RV business, as well as other things. And today is an exciting day because it's the first time that the podcast has been recorded on a February 29th. (laughs) So it's the first leap year day we've ever recorded an episode. Hopefully there will be many more in the future. But I just thought I'd throw that little tidbit out there, right? Um, I have a lot of exciting stuff. I also have uh, some breaking news for you guys that's really relevant, especially if you already own a RV, like a motorhome, a fifth wheel, a travel trailer, anything with a residential refrigerator. And then there's going to be some other little things about parts in general that I'm going to cover throughout the episode. So let's get right to the meat and bones about residential refrigerators. So I I made a new contact today that is in the parts world of recreational vehicles of all kinds. Motorhomes, caravans, truck campers. um, But really, he does all kinds of stuff, including overland things. Like, you know, uh, the little blow up tents that go on the top of trucks and things of that nature okay and him and i had a really good conversation and because right now i have a residential refrigerator in a new motorhome that came in a couple weeks ago and the circuit board's out so and this is mainly tied to residential refrigerators of all brands it's not tied to just one specific brand that has both the water dispenser and the ice maker. Not either or or none. So there are residential style refrigerators that do not have the water dispenser or the ice maker in it. Okay. So this is specific to this. So if you like have, you know, you put your glass in and it dispenses fresh water through a filter. This is specifically about those residential refrigerators. So the circuit boards for those refrigerators are going to take a while to get here to the united states he couldn't go into full detail and realistically because i'm kind of ignorant on world events right now outside of you know the war in ukraine i know is going on still i know the war in israel is going on i didn't realize that the red sea was blockaded by iran I, I, I seriously, like, call me ignorant, call me stupid. I've just been so bloody busy with other stuff, I didn't even realize that had occurred. And apparently that is affecting trade throughout North African continent, the Middle East, the Mediterranean area, and a lot of Asian countries. Now, I don't know the specifics of it all, because if I think if I actually read about it to you, it'd probably bore you to death. But apparently... It's going to be some time before any of those circuit boards get here to the United States. So what I did is the most common refrigerator that I know of that has that water dispenser in most of the stuff I sell is LG. Okay, so I contacted my LG rep today just to verify that information and they confirmed it. Now, that's not saying they're not built already, but just the, I guess... Whatever region of the country, region of the world they get these circuit boards for, circuit boards from, are now going to have to go through a different 
avenue to ship them to the United States. That's what I got out of all of it. So if you have a residential residential refrigerator that needs a circuit board under warranty and it's been like a week or two and you really haven't heard anything from the dealership, this may be one of the issues. So it may take some more time than it normally does. First of all, let's be real. RV warranty, RV service is slower than a snail, okay? Let's just say the snail's going to take a little bit longer to actually get across the finish line. And that's basically the bottom line of it, okay? Now, apparently, this is not just affecting circuit boards on residential refrigerators like this, but it's affecting other parts as well. So I'll give you guys a quick story. I have a customer that's having us practically redesign an old fifth wheel here at the lot. And about three weeks ago, I kept trying to order this special type of battery that he wanted. And everywhere, on every vendor I have, they all say it's available, so I purchased the batteries to have them shipped here to Nevada. But like two or three days later, I kept getting refunds and an email saying we can't get that battery to you at this time. So I thought it was like something to do with, well, maybe it's the state I live in. Nope, not the state I live in. So I, I just, I was scratching my head. And then that conversation today made me think, well, maybe there's a lot of different types of parts that are shipped out of the Red Sea or shipped near the Red Sea that are going to be delayed even further. So it's very kind of interesting how, you know, our world politics can affect our little fun as an RV community, right? And, you know, I, I know COVID really delayed things. I don't think it'll get that far because... Again, this is affecting a certain part of the region of the world, and they can always find other avenues to ship these parts. You know, I'm pretty sure at some point someone's going to pay the extra money to have it flown out here. Um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be other ways that our vendors are going to find to be able to get the parts out here in a timely manner. But I can only imagine what that's going to do with inflation for a little bit, right? Now, again, this is not all parts across the entire RV world. I can't be more specific, unfortunately. And where this kind of rabbit hole started was basically with these circuit boards, okay? The other thing I really want to talk about today is I want to talk about Nomad Internet for a moment. Because he, I want to go back one step. Nomad Internet reached out to me about three months ago. And I finally decided to take him up and say, okay, I will trade you one year of internet and all the equipment to have the internet for two videos. And I did my two videos. And, you know, I'm very impressed by what I've what I've witnessed so far, but I've only had it for like four days. But RV Miles did one hell of a great video that I specifically watched before I decided to do this. He did this video back in April of 2023 where he was talking about the scam that Nomad Internet was playing on folks 
on creators and influencers. Um, and then I looked up that there's actually uh, lawsuits that were settled already or, or done with. And there's now two new open lawsuits that were filed in December of 2023 uh, through the state of Texas and I believe the state of Oklahoma. Okay. Now that all being said, I'm not asking you, if you see any videos, you're going to see that I'm not asking for anybody to buy this internet thing. In fact, even though they did set up an affiliate system for me, I'm not quite there yet. I did all the videos. I did everything that I was supposed to do that I was contractually obligated to do. And I really want to battle test this thing because to me, Starlink is the closest thing we have to having any kind of okay internet. And on my Keystone on my Keystone Cougar fifth wheel up in Oregon, that internet is so intermittent that I'll be working on a project up there. I used to work on a project up there when I worked for Coachman. And the internet would go dead for like an hour. And it was so random. It wasn't like, oh yeah, okay, we know between 1 and 2 o'clock it's going to be bad. No, it was just bad. And most people up in the little town of Chiloquin, Oregon, and parts of Klamath Falls, Oregon, have Starlink as their primary internet because it's really the only thing in some areas up by Crater Lake and Klamath Lake and stuff like that that can get internet and it works very intermittently. So I figured, you know what, let me really battle test this thing. Let me see if there has been any improvements. Let's see if anything's really happened with it. And I'm walking into this thing very cautiously, okay? Because, number one, I'm not a good salesperson. Let's start with that. Because I talk too much crap about products, even products I even sell. You know, other people in the industry that know me, when they see me talk to customers, they go, how the hell do people buy from you? And I go, my only explanation is, is they trust me because they know I know what I'm talking about. And for the most part, most folks know that as long as it's within reason, I'm going to make sure they're taken care of. Uh, and, and what I mean is I'm not going to go deliver. I'm not going to go get in a truck at midnight and go drive 300 miles because someone's having a generator issue. But I will accommodate people as best as I humanly can within reason, right? So I think people recognize that. Um, and number two, realistically, the merchandise store is going to be up and running on Monday, March 4th. I think it's, I think, yeah, Monday, March 4th. Sorry, I got to, God, man, I got to remember. Saturday's a live stream. That's the second. Third is Sunday. So March 4th, Monday, the merchandise store is up and running. So shirts, hats, floozies. That's where I'm going to make money. That's where I'm going to make money. And I've decided what I'm going to do with that money. So that money, I'm going to take half of the net profit of anything bought. And net profit, by the way, is after my expenses and after taxes. Half the net profit is going to go straight back into the podcast and the main channel. I need a better microphone. I sound like absolute crap. I listen to myself sometimes and I want... it's. It, I, I can't believe you guys don't feel like it's nails against a freaking chalkboard sometimes. Okay. So I want to get better microphone, better better recording equipment. I want to get multiple microphones so that way I can interview people. 
I just need a better setup. So any money I make, half of that, it's going to go straight back into equipment, straight back into the channel and into the podcast. The other half, I've decided that part of my ego is the fact that I feel like I need to give back to the community. Most people say, oh, you got a big heart. No, not really. It's mostly my ego. And it's also also a portion of my personality that wants to take care of folks that are on fixed incomes. So here in the city of Pahrump, Nevada, there is a lot of people, and I know that, and, and this is not meant to put people down, but there's a lot of people that are broke and living in really old, falling apart uh, RVs. And they're on fixed incomes. And we're not talking about fixed income of like five or six grand. We're talking about a lot of folks are like getting $1,200 a month from Social Security. And that's their only income. And they're living in a 1989 motorhome that's water damaged, waterlogged. So I'm going to take the other half of the net profit. And I'm going to give back to the RV community by helping folks here in this town. And yes, I'm going to film it for the main channel. Because I think... Not only would it be good for the growth of the channel, but I, I also want to, I think another part of me has seen Mr. Beast give back so much of what he's made. And it, it, it seems like it inspires others to do the same. Now, some people do it for fame. Some people do it for clout. But a lot of people, and I would say the majority of people do it because it's the right thing to do, especially when you see people in need. And it's hard to help people in need when you realistically don't have the funds or the ability to help them. So I figure anytime anybody buys shirts, hats, floozies, etc., I might as well put the profits, split it in half, and basically help people and better the, the content as well. Now, some of you are like, are probably going, well, why don't you just keep some of it for yourself? Well, you know, if you think about it, the better the content is, the better the microphones, the more I help people, the money will come back to me. I really believe that. I believe the more we grow this, the more, um, the more I help people, the better the content, things of that nature, the more the money will flow this way. And I don't need a lot of money to live, okay? Would it? And let me tell you, my wife will tell me, oh yeah, go get whatever supercar you want. And I'll be like, hmm, let me see if I can go find a 1988 Toyota Tercel or a 1987 Astro Because <laughs> I'm so easy. Because I can't, you know, the whole supercar thing, all this trend of showing off on YouTube and on social media, you know, flexing, I guess. I just stare at guys that have Lamborghinis and Bugattis and stuff like that and go, how much is their insurance? That's my first thought. Not what a beautiful car and how much horsepower, how fast it goes. Like, I wonder how much their insurance is. I wonder how much their maintenance is to keep up the warranty. I mean, those are the things I think about. You know, I don't think, ooh, fast, hit the pedal. No, nothing like that. Be nice to have a diesel truck. 
But if I was going to go buy a diesel truck, if I was going to go buy like an F-350, something like that, I get like an older one with the 7.1 liter or a 7.3 liter uh, diesel. If it was Ford, you know, I'd buy the smaller Cummins, the older smaller Cummins diesel um, that Dodge had a while back ago. You know, things of that nature. I mean, I'd rather have a truck and pull around a fifth wheel or pull around a travel trailer around the country than have some supercar, right? Um, you know, and, and you also have to realize, just like when I've been talking to some folks, that I now have talked to the my, my number seven and number eighth rental, RV rental company, that has told me they're sold out. Sold out for the rest of the year. We're on February 29th, and there's two really big rental companies on the West Coast that are not sold out through Labor Day. They're sold out for the rest of the year. And we're not talking about a fleet of 10 or 15 RVs. One of my buddies, one of the guys that I actually talked to, he has 350 rentals in his fleet. The other guy has just over 180. And they are sold out. So now that's a total of eight companies that I know of that are sold out on the RV rental side of things. You guys better start making your plans for trips if you're planning on camping this year. I mean, I'm starting to look at dates for Bishop, California for a, a, a fishing meetup. You know, have have either subscribers and fans of the main channel, the shorts channel, the Spanish channel, and this podcast to meet up in Bishop and do a fishing trip, you know, a three, a two day weekend type fishing trip, you know, just kind of hang out and answer questions and, you know, let people kind of get to know the, the me in person. Now I know a lot of you have shown up to the dealership, which I'm real appreciative of. I've, I've had people drive 10, 12 hours just to come down and talk to me in person, which is really cool. Now I'm like, if I do this meetup fishing trip or meetup camping trip type of thing, this is like, I better start looking for reservations right now, especially since I'm planning on doing this in like June or July. I mean, this is crazy. This is, this is lunacy in a good way. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just, it's a, it's a nutty thing to, to imagine that there's that many people that are planning vacations already and we haven't even hit Easter yet. Um, you know, and then the other thing I really want to just kind of talk about is I'm getting a lot of phone calls of people that are extremely guarded about answering questions about their used rv okay had a guy today call me today has a 2021 um sandpiper uh front living room and i go great and he says i have it listed on rv trader for sixty thousand dollars if i remember right and he goes but i'd be willing to take 50 so i'm like okay cool so I look, I was, I was thinking consignment, consignment, consignment. 
when I looked at what the banks will lend on it, the banks are going to lend between 30 and 37, 38 grand, depending on somebody's credit. So $50,000 is a real stretch. Well, come to find out, he owes 50 grand on the fifth wheel. Understandable. And I told him he's just got to continue to try to sell it on his own, drop his price, and he'll probably get a lot more people to answer. When I explained to him what lending works and how lending works and how a bank looks at things and why a dealer has to look at that kind of thing, he got super pissed off at me, called me a liar, called me a bunch of names, and slam, you could just hear him slam the phone down on me. And I don't mean like literally, I mean, I mean metaphorically. Um, dealerships do not control the value that banks and financial institutions put on any type of vehicle. We don't control the value of cars, boats, power sports stuff, and RVs. We have absolutely zero control over how a lender looks at loans and looks at the collateral. You know, most people are going to ignore or brush you off when somebody takes the time to sit with you and fill you with knowledge and information, don't be rude to them. It's not their fault. They're just communicating information. The used market has completely corrected itself. We are now in full correction mode. And that separation I talk about between the difference figure of what new ones are selling for and used ones values are is starting to separate it's already it's already begun and it happened about two months faster than i thought it was going to but every if you're in the market and you're really seriously considering trading in your old one to get a newer one <clears throat> at this point Every week that goes by that you don't pull the trigger, you're losing value in your current unit. It's no longer, well, you can wait a little bit. You got some time because the difference figure hasn't changed in three years. Now the difference figure is starting to change. And I just want to make sure you guys are aware of that. Okay? I, I don't want you guys to get blindsided by it because... Three months ago, you were like, oh, the difference figure is 30 grand, and now all of a sudden you wait till June, and now the difference figure is 42 grand. You know? So just be aware. It doesn't mean go run out and do something. If you're not ready, you're not ready. There's a lot of people that have quality concerns, they're understandable. And where I agree, and this is where some people are getting mad at me, I do do agree and i slept on this last night i do agree with a lot of the youtubers that are are, are speaking on frame flex and quality stuff i do agree with them that the percentage is small what i don't agree with is i don't agree with 
the number they placed on it. Okay. Compa- and this is what I'm this is what I'm referring to. And you probably have heard me say this before. 1.6 million RVs were built in a two and a half year period. So the amount of arm the amount of Armageddon level issues was bound to increase. Okay. But the percentage has roughly been about the same. What I do not agree with, and I covered this yesterday, is I don't agree with the stupid fucking number that they attach to it. Because that's ridiculous. There's no way it's less than 3%, and there's sure in hell no way that it's less than half of a percent. But for the most part, guys and gals, if you stay away from the brands that are having the biggest reportings of massive problems and you stick with the ones that are not having or having very limited amount of problems and stop worrying about the beautification of cabinetry and stop worrying about, oh my God, but they have the reputation of. You're going to find something that's going to be decent quality that you're going to be happy with. And, and, and really, I know a lot of you want to report this and get investigated by the government and I totally understand that. And, I, and I'm and i going to tell you, your concern and your wanting of federal investigation into frame failure and frame flex is valid. But it'll never happen. Okay? And that's not to dismiss you guys. I hope you understand that. And for those of you in the Facebook group that listen to this, this is not to dismiss you. It's not to tell you to stop. Don't stop reporting it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is don't get disappointed that the federal government just washes its hands of it. Okay? And here's the reason why. Is because, number one, it has to be such on a massive level for them to get involved. Number one. And it's going to be very tough to link them all to one or two things here's something that 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 needs to be kind of a little understood about something okay so there are folks that don't have frame flex but have frame failure and there is a difference there are guys that have fifth wheels that i read their email and their pin box is fine the cap is fine. Everything's normal up front. But for some reason, there's a problem with the outriggers along the frame. And then I've seen a lot of reports with fifth wheels in general. And, I, and you guys know what company I'm talking about, okay? Because we're all talking about the same company. I'm just tired of saying the name. Um, where... There's no problem with the front cap. There's no problem with the pin box. There's no problem with the outriggers. But the back of the frame, where the wall, the back cap, and the back wall, and the floor are separating. 
which is another type of frame problem. So it's going to be very hard. I'm not going to say it may never happen, but it'll be extremely difficult to link it all to one specific problem when it's a multitude of different issues. And then it has to get proven for the federal government to get involved. It has to then be proven that there was negligence on the manufacturer's end. That it wasn't negligence, that it was negligence in every single case. Okay. And here's what I, here's what my reference for all this is. And this is something I want you guys to study. Okay. We're going to still complain. We're still going to keep old people informed. Please still keep filing your claims. Keep filing your complaints. Don't stop doing that. I'm not telling you to stop doing that. Keep doing it. Because if you stop doing it, there's going to be zero chance. Right? But where I'm getting this reference from is go back to the early days of the auto industry. How long and how much did it take to make seatbelts mandatory in automobiles? And this is back before the internet. This is back, you know, when... Communication was all word of mouth and newspaper and radio. How long did it take to go from federal government to mandating safety features on an automobile? I'll let you do that research because that will give you kind of an idea. Look at that history. Look at the entire history of the auto industry and safety features that are regulated and mandated by the federal government. And keep in mind, the automotive industry has been in circulation in the United States longer than the RV factory and the RV manufacturers. Also keep in mind, as you're going through this, is there is not nearly as many recreational vehicles built every year as there are some form of automobile. Okay. Thanks guys very much. I hope you guys don't take that the wrong way. I hope you guys, you know, understand where I'm coming from. And I, I all I want to do is just give you guys good information. I don't want to uh, leave you lead you guys astray. Okay. Until next time, remember RV stands for toolkit and sense of humor. Have a good one.